Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Dave. My name's Chris. And fans of Dopey, you've been waiting patiently. It is now time for the Jail episode part two. Jail stories part two. And that was a great intro, by the way. You thought so? Yeah, it was good. Why? I don't know. I feel like the last few, we've been so haphazard. The one in episode, whatever that one last one was, 72. (laughs) What was that? It's great that you rate the intros. I think that's fantastic. I had I had a bunch of stuff to talk about, but I've forgotten everything. Everything is gone. Oh, yeah. Let's just get this out of the way. If you haven't seen my video, <laughs> go watch the video. <laughs> that's all you talk about. Nobody's watching it. Maybe by now people have seen it. Um, go to our website, www.dopeypodcast.com. I bet there are fans out there that don't even know we have a website. Can you well, see how it would show, uh, show up? Like, if you Google drug podcast, do you think it would show up first? Dope Stories, I think, shows up first, and that's defunct. <laughs> that's funny to me. Um, Someone left a review on our iTunes and said all they said was better than Dope Stories. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. did you listen to Dope Stories? No. It's an amazing podcast. Did you listen to it? Yeah, every month. <laughs> so it's amazing. Funny. Dude, you guys don't even know Dopey Nation. Dave and I... <laughs> we do nothing. We don't listen to any podcasts. I, I talk about the podcast I listen to, but really, this is what I've listened to. I've listened to three and a half episodes of Hardcore History. I listened to all of the first season of Serial. I've listened to one Radio Lab, and I've listened to one and a half Bill Burr episodes. That's it. Well, how many? Actually, no. I listened to uh, two episodes of short stories by. Dostoyevsky. <laughs> Dostoyevsky. Right. It was amazing. It was really good. It was. Um, oh my god. It was the dream of a ridiculous man. I listened to today. You uh, are. No, I was fucking. You are bro, a ridiculous I was, man, bro. I was floored. It was some really, really good shit. The subtext in that was the use of the word "bro." That's that's how you know. It's just the manipulative. What is it manipulative for? I what, did I not say that I listened to it. When we were not recording and that it was really good? That's today? not the manipulation of What's which I speak. What's the manipulation? There's a woman who who keeps name-dropping Dostoevsky. Yeah, so I listened to She told that, me to listen to that it. That Chris is, is gaga for. It's dominated my life for months now. <laughs> and and she's like, maybe you should... She's like, you know, I'm really into cults. Chris is like, Dave, I, I think we should get a guy from a cult on the show. I'm going to bump That's it up. That's not true. <laughs> it's not true? It's not true. It's totally but then, true. I, yeah, I listened to the uh, Dostoevsky because she told me to, and, and I... I'm glad I did. I was. It was really fucking good. I'm sure you are. I'm sure. You'll, I was trying to talk. You're to snarking her about me. You're being snarky. You'll be like. You'll be like. What's your name? You should really listen to Dopey episode number seventy three because uh, you'll learn a lot about me. And then she'll hear that you that you mentioned. Oh, I'll it. tell her to listen to this. Definitely. I have to now. Yeah. yeah. If yeah. I don't, I'm not being honest. Yes. Um. You've listened to Dopey. I listened. Yeah, I listened to a lot of dope because I listened to the whole episode before we air it. Have you listened to Church and Other Drugs? 
I listened to our episode. <laughs> right. I listened to an episode of that. I listened to a little bit of one of them. I listened to Scott go on Church and Other Drugs and th- tell the same story that he told on Dopey. Did he do a better job? Better job on Church well, and Other Drugs. Because he had some practice, too. Huh? He had some practice with us. We warmed him up. Right. Uh, but it was good. It was good. I feel bad if uh, Jed or Jay is listening that I haven't listened to Church and Other Drugs. And just know that it's because I don't listen to anything, really. Except Dostoevsky and Dopey. Yeah. Um, I'm going to listen to some more Dostoevsky. I can't say it. I'm fucking retarded. You should listen to Church and Other Drugs, too. What Have I listened to any other podcast? I'm trying to think. Oh, I used to listen to Victor Prep. What's that? <laughs> it was uh, Prep for the GREs where he goes <laughs> he goes over... Um, uh, like he just says vocabulary words. He does like 20 words per episode. Each episode's like 15 minutes. And he uses them in sentences. It's actually a really good way to retain them. But I didn't prepare at all for the GREs. Like I, I got a study guide, a six-month study guide that I was going to follow. And this is the entrance exams for grad school. It's like the, uh, like the college board, equivalent of the SATs for grad school. And so I got this study guide that was like six months to prepare ahead. Did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Two weeks before, I downloaded a two-week study guide. It's like this cram study guide I found. Did nothing. Then two day or three days before the exam, I finally actually go to the library to study. And I look up for like on the two-week study guide. It says like basically two to three days before the exam, you shouldn't study at all. And I'm like, I'm trying to study now. I just sit in the library. I'm like, ah, I'm so fucked. I start Googling nootropics, like smart drugs. And I'm like... Was there something I can take that's going to help me do better on this? Were you sober? And I ended up, yeah, I was sober. This was before. And then I ended up going to um, GNC and buying ginkgo and taking ginkgo for two days. I left the library and got ginkgo. And at night, I would listen to Victor Pratt for three days. I listened to a lot of his stuff. What about uh, Omar on the Share podcast? I never listened to Omar. How about that sober guy? Oh, I did listen to some of that sober guy. I listened to like uh, one episode. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing? Pretty much, yeah. Really? Yeah. What was it like? <laughs> you are shocked. Yeah. Uh, it was all right. Zite. Yeah. Um, so, Dopey Podcast, still going. Here we are, episode, what are we up to? 73, maybe? 70-something. 73, 74. Did you, like, we got an email from somebody that said, uh, 70, <laughs> yeah. only 20 to go until you hit 100. And they said it again. They said it twice. Well, Dopey Nation doesn't have their math. <laughs> Dopey Nation, <laughs> do your math math homework. Um, that's funny. Uh, what was I going to say? Dopey Nation, I'm thinking that there's more that you guys could be doing for us. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's what you're always thinking. I'm thinking somebody out there would be better at doing Twitter than, than I am because my Twitter is just the pits. What do you think of my Instagram game? I think it's good. It's been pretty good, right? I think it's very good. I think I don't know how to play with the hashtags and all that. I mean, I could probably do it better. I, I think you're always, doing a fine job. I just always like hashtag dumb shit and junkie and... You're having... Shit. No, but you you also have a couple people that are sending you some funny stuff. Yeah. And, and there's um, a lot of reposts, you know, and... Well, it's like all reposts, basically. But you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing a nice job. Uh... Instagram is definitely our only social media that, that we regularly do. But so it's also easy. good. It's funny, you know. Yeah. It's mostly funny, and it's good. I like it. Um, but I'm thinking, the more I, I'm sniffing around the edges of uh, the television industry and the podcasting industry and the publishing industry. I'm not sniffing let's, around the industry. <laughs> well, let's just mention that if there's anybody listening who works in the literary world, we have a spit polished proposal. Ready to go. Um, so if you want to take a gander at it, we'll send it your way. 
Or if you want to get a tattoo of the Dopey logo, we'll pay for it. Yeah, we'll pay for Remember it. Remember that. That stands. But, um, but not to mention, I just think Dopey should be on Vice. Uh, I've been singing that song for a long time. I said it once before. Dude, you have like the fucking head guy at Vice's email and you won't even email him because you're a coward. <laughs> it's not that I'm a coward. It's that I don't want to blow it. <laughs> yeah, so you've been sitting on it for months. No, weeks. Just weeks. Maybe yeah. a month. Yeah. But that's true. So, but Just I want fucking do it. Maybe I should give his email out. You to know the why Dopey, Dopey works? No. Why? He, oh, because we do it. Because we do it. So just fucking do it. Mm. We don't think about it. We just we just hit play. I mean, how many hours do we rec- we just hit play? You no, know, we hit record. You we dummy. hit record, and we then hit they record. hit play, and then they hit play. It, did you ever think we would get to seventy three episodes? I didn't really think about it. Did I ever tell you the story at work? I'm at work. Uh, I love the uh, the bacon story. <laughs> Why? It was one of the first ones you ever told. I don't even remember that story. When you brought the bacon. And what happened? Ugh, I'm such an idiot. And what happened? I fucking hate my life. And and, now I'm going to have to go back and delete that. And what and happened? I'm going to forget. And then Alan's going to call. And what happened? <laughs> uh, you brought the bacon. Just the way you told it is funny. I can't do it. No, but I remember I started working there. Nine years ago, and, and it's like I'm just I'm just like I cannot imagine being here much longer. And the guy <laughs> says to me, nine years the ago. guy says to me, he's like he said, "You're not going to believe how busy it is at Christmas." I said, "Dude, I'm not going to be here at Christmas." And here this we are, nine, nine years ago, nine years later. It's like I got to get out of this place, or I'm going to be an ancient fucking waiter, and I just I don't want it. It's going to change, Dopey Nation. This year, I am going to be working somewhere else. That's just it. Just get your vibrational frequency. And if anybody in, in the Dopey Nation out there wants to give me manifest. a job, <laughs> yeah. if anybody's hiring in the Dopey Nation or wants to run our Instagram, uh, please send it in. Okay. Uh, all right, let's move on to topics. Well, Are we doing jail stories or diving right in? No, let's do the ad. You want to do the ad right now? Yeah. Okay, Dopey Nation, time for uh, lend us your ears and then... Um, We'll get some money. Let me find it. Yeah, we have an ad. So let, let, write us an email and tell us if you think we're selling out. Yeah, 75 bucks to read this. We're only reading stuff that we think um, might pertain to the Dopey Nation until we get an offer for something that doesn't. But uh, this could be a good thing. Give it a go. Maybe it's helpful. Uh, and here we go. BetterHelp.com makes it really easy to get your own online counselor. E-counseling is an effective, convenient, and affordable way to get help with many issues. Do you feel like a sellout when you read this thing? I don't feel like as much as a sellout because, like, at least it falls under the umbrella of some sort of therapeutic service. Let's just hope they do a nice job. If it was Tea of the Month Club, I would feel like a sellout. I wouldn't because somebody would be getting good tea. (laughs) Maybe they're getting good counseling. E-counseling is an effective, convenient, and affordable way to get help with many issues. You can get help with... Do you with think s- they're hiring at, at Better Health? Shut up. Do you think I can get a job <laughs> there and I can get paid on both sides of it? Shut up. You can get help with stress, anxiety, depression, relationships, career issues, self-esteem, addictions, and many other life challenges. All BetterHelp counselors are licensed, accredited professionals. BetterHelp allows one to connect with them in a safe and private online or mobile environment. Anything one shares is confidential. It's affordable. Getting started is free, so you can feel confident our service and the therapist therapist we match you with is right for you. 
Then just pay a low flat fee for unlimited sessions with your counselor. It's convenient. One can do it at your own time and at your own pace. Communicate with your therapist as often as you want and whenever you feel it's needed. BetterHelp is available at your time and your place. To start your free week-long subscription for as much contact as you need, just complete the questionnaire and enter your credit card details. It's safe and secure. If you don't need help beyond the first week, simply cancel your subscription with the click of a button. That's absolutely fine. If you find value, do nothing and automatically extend your subscription. Pricing varies between $180 to $280 per month for unlimited access. That's about the cost of a single in-person session with a similarly qualified in-person therapist. Give it a try today at betterhelp.com backslash dopey. Again, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com backslash D-O-P-E-Y. Very nice job. Yeah, did a good job? Very nice. You know what I think about from time to time? What? You remember the, um, the Scott email about when he was in rehab and he was talking about sex and the counselor. The counselor that hooked up with him? Do you think like she fucked a ton of her people? Like that was her thing? I don't think she did a ton. No, I, I don't think she did a ton, but I think that she had done probably similar fucked up predatory stuff with other people. I don't think it was a trend. Do you think anybody at BetterHelp.com does like sex stuff on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because when you started this train of thought, the first thing I thought was what happened to Scott couldn't happen at BetterHelp.com backslash dopey. But uh, maybe it could phone sex wise. Yeah, that could be a value, added value <laughs> for your your monthly fee or whatever it is. <laughs> but um, I wonder if anybody has a story where a counselor – had sex with you or made a move on you, please write us an email about it. I find this topic fascinating. I really wanted to put Scott's email on the website, but it was so personal. So personal. Yeah. I would ask him, but Scott's such a sweetheart. I'm afraid he'd just say yes, even yeah, if he no. felt uncomfortable. Yeah. But that was a wild fucking email. It was amazing. Wild. Um, and it was heartfelt and it was he had good insight and very dopey, informative. Fucking dopey. But I want to hear more stories like that. I find it fascinating. You're sick, sick man. Why? Do you don't, I mean, it's just like it's a place where like a vulnerable person shares the intimate details of their life, and like maybe it's even blossomed into marriage in some places with a counselor. No, I just want to hear. Uh, yeah, you know what? Though, you know where lines get blurred. Look at our friend in. Uh, course, no, at no, Mountainside. I've known several um, actually counselors that hooked up with patients. Um, and I don't, I'm trying to think if I know any married ones, but I know people who are in long-term successful relationships, but it usually happened years after they graduated. I don't know any successful circumstances right. where it was... Right. Yeah. I just think it's interesting. I also, before we go into jail stories, I wanted to pitch a movie idea to you. Hmm. I call it Bum Trip. Okay. The story is about two bums in New York City, and it's cold. And one night, they're begging on the street, and some, like, hot, young, rich girl comes downstairs, and she's like, you guys are so stupid for begging in the cold. Why don't you go to Florida or something? And they're like, holy shit. Why, <laughs> they go why, to Florida? Why don't we go to Florida or something? And they go to Florida. Do they take a train? I don't know how they get there. They should hop on the train. 
What, like boho? By the, yeah, by like the, you know, down the by freight the car. Like back in the day, they used to do it with one of those sticks and with the bag. It's called the, <laughs> the bindle. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is, so, so these bums, they travel from New York to Florida, something happens, and their life changes. And the movie is called Bum Trip. No, what needs to happen is they need to get to Florida, and there needs to be some other bum that says, it's impossible to survive here. You got to go to New York. No. <laughs> no. And then Bum Trip 2. They go to New York and... Bum Trip 2, back to New York? <laughs> no, I'm just saying Bum Trip, like, something changes. Maybe one of them dies. This, it's as dumb as this is, I actually kind of like it. It'd I be a good movie. A good writer could put, turn this into a funny movie. Nick Reiner, if you're out there, <laughs> yeah. this is it. This is this being Charlie, forget that shit. Bum Trip. We'll give you... 50% creative control. No, we'll give him 37%. He had 33, he claims, for... Being he said Charlie? that in theory he had 33 for being Charlie, we'll in give him, actuality at 10. We'll give him 31 with the actuality being 5. Nick Reiner, <laughs> if you're listening, bum trip. Should we text Nick Reiner? Are we going to do that or yeah, no? Yeah, text him. All right. All right, so Nick Reiner, if you guys remember, was on the show. Son um, of Rob Reiner. He's out smoking pot, um, but not doing if heroin. If he's lucky. Um, and Getting dunked on anything. West Fourth Street. So I'm going to text Nick Reiner right now because we're Dave texted him and I think it took him uh, what did it take? It took four days for him to took respond. Took four days for him to respond. So we're going to text. You know, Nick. I think he responded, "Chilling, bro." And to say, I'm gonna, what should I say? I'm going to say, "Hello, Nick." So that's all I'll say. Yes. And we'll see if he responds. I'm going to say, "Hello, Nick." I'm going to say, "This is a test." No, 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 don't. don't Why not? Say okay, say that. This is a test. Yeah. <laughs> You should text Dr. Drew and see if he wants to call him. Uh, yeah, I don't have his number yet. Mm. Anyway. Oh, so, should, we, should we say? Should we reveal the news, that potential? Yeah, tell the news. Possible Dr. Drew appearance coming up on Dopey. Soon. Stay tuned. Sooner than you think. Tune in. Chances are he'll come on before Nick Reiner texts back. Yeah. <laughs> but we shall see. Anyway, uh, here we go. Jail, jail stories. stories. All right. Uh, so... I was thinking for this episode, I'll do some personal stories, but I'm going to tell some one-offs. I've been putting some notes in uh, my uh, notepad on my iPhone of different stuff I'm going to talk about. And um, let me pull up these notes. Jail Stories 2. Okay, we have Mason, Peter Alcon, Big Balls Lee, Mike Story, and Tommy the Fox. Sounds like a lot of information. Do you want to pick one of those to start with? I'll start with Big Balls Lee. Okay, Big Balls Lee. Um, this isn't even, it's not even a really crazy story, but uh, so I was in a barracks in, in Theo Lacey's Orange County Jail. And, um, Theo Lacey? That's what it's called, yeah. Okay. A new jail, like new renovation. Um, it's nice. And the barracks, it's like uh, a general population, so it's like 80% of the jail, white banner, the lowest classification. So the majority of the inmates are in there. White banner? White banner. It's like your wristband. Um, white it, it bander. Just, yeah, it just means you're general pop. So it's like 80% of the jail is like a uh, general population. Is it like an Oz-looking jail with like glass walls and all that? No. It's more, I didn't really get into Oz. I've seen enough to know what you're talking about. The higher level classifications, all of them were more like that, you know. But this is like picture a gymnasium with a big wall diagonally down the middle and a bubble in the middle with snowed out windows that you can't see in where the guards are, so you can't see what they're looking at. And then you, you're on one half of it and there's 150 people on each side. Mm. And then there's all bunks around like the perimeter in these little cubes. So anyways, I was in one of those and uh, it was a desegregated dorm. Um, usually they separate... Um, blacks and Asians from whites and Mexicans. 
But um, this was. I a- had a question, by the way, huh. from the from the first jail episode. Yeah, the guy who calls out all the people. What do you mean? You know, he's like, "Fuck you!" Oh, the first story I told you. Yeah. yeah, and you said oh, it was Olson. <laughs> yeah, and you say, "Fuck you, red and white." He said, "Fuck the red and white." Right. How many Hell's Angels are in jail? <laughs> no, not, not many. You know, like how, how big is the red and white population? No, I, 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 that's the only time I even heard a mention of it in there. All right, continue. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so he fucking uh, okay. So big balls, Lee. So yeah, I'm in this desegregated dorm. And there was this guy in there. I guess he was like 28. He looked like he was 50, right? And um, his testicles were huge. Like, legitimately not exaggerating. Like, exactly in between a grapefruit and a soccer ball. Shut the fuck up. I swear, and, and closer to a soccer ball than a grapefruit. And it was so it was so big. There was like really talented artists. All there was all these naked uh, freehand drawings of Big Balls Lee that people would pass around. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why did you? How did? Why, was he walking around naked all the time? Yeah, well, he'd go to the shower. Like people would see him in the shower. You know? Did he suffer? Is it giganticism? He, he had like some disorder or something. Something like something was clearly wrong. Was his first name Lee or was his last? I don't name know. Lee? I don't know. He, but he was totally fucking crazy too. So it's like the one thing if he had this like big balls Lee, but he was like normally functioning and like he was insane, right? It's funny because if he didn't have big balls, he would just be called Crazy Lee. He might be called Big Balls Lee, too, you know. Oh, if he didn't have Big Balls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see, though, Lee's crazy. But because he's got these grapefruit testicles, it's like... Yeah. But Big Balls Lee is a good name. Yeah, so Big Balls Lee... Oh, first of all, he didn't talk to anybody. Like, nobody talked to him because he was legit insane. Um, and uh, he used to walk around the dorm, and he'd look in the trash. So he, he was like a bum on the street, right? And he'd look through the trash for different stuff, Uh the thing is, in jail, everybody's starving. So if anybody gets any food of anything, like every fucking morsel is eaten. It doesn't matter how crappy it is, you mm-hmm. know? So there is nothing in those trash cans except wrappers. I, I can 100% guarantee it. For years and years and years, there's been nothing but fucking wrappers in those trash cans. It's just empty Pop-Tarts things and, and you know, gross sandwich baggie with old, like, bologna meat sweat. Like, that's it. And yet every single day when the day room was open, he'd wander around and look at all the trash cans for stuff. And never Could you see his balls through his pants? Yeah, there was a huge bulge. And so anyways, he would wander around the – How old is he? He lo- – uh, uh, okay, being 100% authentic, I would say he looked like he was 42 to 45 – 40 to 45 and he supposedly was 27. I never saw that confirmed but – that's what they said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, Big Balls Lee, when the day room was open, he'd walk around and he'd look in the trash cans. And there's like, I don't know, eight trash cans. And he'd kind of go from one to the next. And he had this weird sort of jagger. He'd constantly walk around the day room. He'd do these big loops. He was always walking around when the day room was open. And the day room is this big, massive room when you didn't have to be sitting on your bunk, you know, in your cube. And uh, so he, he would walk around all weird and he'd check the trash cans. And so me and this other guy one day were like, his other, his other guy's idea, he's like, let's just follow Lee. And he's like, he's like, what's going to happen? He's like, he's like, I'll follow behind Lee, like a few paces behind him, and I'll do everything he does. And then you do everything I do. So I started doing that. So he would walk behind Lee a few paces behind Lee, and then I would walk a few paces. The guy's name was Tyler, and I'd walk a few What paces. was he like? Tyler? Yeah. Tyler was one of the shot callers. He was a young guy. He, uh, I was friends with him on Facebook, and he lost it now. Uh, he went back to prison. He signed a two-strike deal. He was um, 
It's a good guy. Just the shitty young white guy. Yeah, covered in tattoos. All tattoos he did himself, so they're like really shitty. Like practice on himself. So um, he just did meth. Um, really big guy, narrow shoulders. So you and Tyler <laughs> are following around big balls. So me and Tyler are following around big balls. Lee, right? so it's big balls. Lee, Tyler, and me, right? And then somebody else like catches on what we're doing, so somebody starts following me. Before you know it, we have like thirty people, like a congo, like line. a big fucking snake, right? And so the guards can see it and like normally they would see something like this and they would fucking shut down the day room get so fucking pissed like anything you do you know what I mean they find anything that's like behavior they'd act up and flip out and get angry but they legit thought it was so funny they just let it go on until it got like it grew and grew and grew until like it must have been 50 people at the end where it was like you know it's like it's like it was like that game Tron or whatever he keeps getting longer and longer the tail where like Lee would do something and then like Literally, like, he'd walk away, and 50 people would do the same exact thing. And he was so fucking crazy. He didn't notice. He didn't even notice. He never noticed. That's funny. That, that's, that's also, like, I, I, it's like performance art or something in my head. <laughs> yeah. Like, imagining that scene. Yeah. That's, that's what I was trying to say. Like, I, I was bad and fucked up as, like, the jail was. There was stuff that happened there. That well, you I need to fill I've the day. so hard. You need yeah. to fill the day. It's like, let's follow Lee around and see how many people will do it. And everyone's like, I got nothing else to do. I'll follow Lee around, too. <laughs> yeah. Fuck this. I want to hear the story where you roughed up the Asian guy. You want to just skip my notes? Right, do you know, I, don't, I didn't hear roughed up an Asian guy uh, in the right, notes. Uh, Asian, I didn't rough up an Asian guy. Okay, so there was a riot. Um, let me think of why this riot happened. This riot was with Tyler, actually. So Tyler was the shot caller, the, sec- the first guy to that the followed woods. Lee, and then the one I followed, yeah. And he was young, he was younger than me. And uh, Tough kid. Tough kid. So what happened was, this is like not a funny, it was more intense. So um, again, there's, uh, there's five races, there's the woods, um, then there's the brothers and others, it's blacks, and then like other Who are people. the others? It could be like an Indian dude or something. So a dude from India or a Native American, or both? Native American might roll with the woods. I don't know. Really? I don't even know. I never saw any Native Americans. We might. I don't know. The others would be like like an Indian, like dot, not feather. You think that an an, an Indian? How white they look from India is going to be rolling with black guys in jail? Yeah. Why? A hundred percent. Oh, because they're brown they skin. They just don't fit into anything else. They don't fit into any other car. Right? I can't believe brothers are having others in their group. Bro- the brothers are okay with it. Right. You know? uh, so it's anyways. What the hell so do I know? Woods. This is just in where I was. So it's Woods, Brothers and Others, um, Paisanos, which is kind of like border-jumping Mexicans who don't really speak English, and then Southsiders, kind of like gangster, think like gangster-type Mexicans, um, and then uh, the um, Chinos, like uh, Asians, right, which is mostly Vietnamese where I was. And so the Brothers and the Vietnamese, the Asians, were allied, and then the Woods... How big in a Vietnamese population... Population it, little Saigon was in Orange County, so it was a very everything was written in English, Spanish, and Vietnamese. So there was a lot of Vietnamese. Lot of Vietnamese. Were they tough? Yeah, they kind of did. They were no. There was a lot comparatively. There were still not that many, though. You know what I mean? It was a lot compared to the rest of the country. Enough where they put everything in Vietnamese in there too. You know, and the Jews weren't really representing too hard. There's no. <laughs> they didn't have it in what's what's your language? You guys speak? No, Hebrew. Hebrew. They didn't, have, they didn't have any Yiddish. Uh, Translation. Fuck the red and white, <laughs> the blue and white, Hebrew hammer. <laughs> uh, okay, so Paisanos do their own thing. Woods and Southsiders are allied, and blacks and Asians are sal- allied. So 
the Southsiders were kind of like beating up on the brothers in the dorm, right? And um, they were like kind of like getting in riots, but the Southsiders were much stronger. There was like a lot more Mexicans. And the guards like noticed this, right? So what the guards did was they rolled out all the Southsiders that had gang terms. So that means if on their file it said that they were associated with a certain gang, then they got moved to a different dorm. So there was probably 45 to 50 Southsiders in the dorm. One day, 15 Southsiders get moved out. And it basically turns, castrating the South Side it, population. It basically turns out they, they rolled out the 15 like most gangster, hardcore Southsiders, right? So immediately like the black people got like much, much stronger. Right. And like, they did this intentionally to balance the power. So then what happens is the new Southsider rep, the shot caller, because the first one got rolled out, he went to Tyler, the rep for the woods, and he's like, yo, we're allied. Like the brothers are going to start beating up on us if there's a riot. Can we count on you? Yeah. Can we count on you to to come, like, roll with us? And so Tyler's like, okay. So they start fighting over something, the Mexicans and blacks. They start literally fighting. There's a riot. And Tyler comes out. And Tyler's in my cube. And he's like, he yells out, yo, Woods. So that means all the Woods have to come in and join the Mexicans, right? And so then all the Asians come in and join the blacks. So the Paisanos are still by themselves doing their thing. So, like... 85, 90%, there's not a ton of Paisanos, are fighting, right? And so I'm out in the middle, and um, and you're supposed to fight, right? So there's just this, like, one little Asian dude. <laughs> he's on to the side. And so I just, like, ran to attack him. And um, I ended up – I didn't rough him up. I ended up punching him lightly in the ear, right, as he ran away. And then the guards came in. And they pepper sprayed us all, and we went back to our cells. And literally the next day, the Asian guy <laughs> was walking to walk by our cube. is like open air in general population. He had to walk by my cube, and I was like, like he made eye contact with me, and I was like, I like shrug my shoulders. I was like, sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing. He was like, it's okay. But because we both didn't want to be involved in it, you had to be out there doing something. And then later on, Alex always laughs at this. Some of them were like, yeah, I saw Chris out there. He was mixing it up. I, was like, I didn't do anything. Now, when you that's would hang your, out. That's your glorious story you wanted to hear. It's pretty lame. Well, it's, I think it's glorious. <laughs> yeah. when, and you'd hang out with the woods. So you're always with these guys every day, right? Yeah. Now, would you like, they were, was it like a lot of like, Racist talk and like the woods aren't really racist. There's skinheads. They call them comrades. There's like independent skins and then skinheads who aren't gangs, and they technically aren't woods. They're their own thing. Um, so there was sometimes you wouldn't get them as much in general population, but a skinhead would come in and they have like swastikas or like the whatever that thing is, the Iron Eagle. So there weren't a lot of them. No, there was a lot, but they'd generally be like when I was in a higher classification, there'd be a lot of skinheads. I saw them, but that's when I was in cell living, so it's like. Um, who is some skinhead? There's Junior and Tiny, who were both gigantic people, ironically. Uh, Billy. Uh, Billy was the guy who would give me, like, the, the salute and, like, the Hail Hitler salute. I'm like, whatever. Did you hang out with the skinheads a lot? I, it wasn't it, – when, when you're in cell living, you go to day room and you're with seven other people. And if there's nobody on your block – there was never a skinhead on my block. Okay. I'd like sign to them behind glass, you know. You're like, I hate blacks too. Can we be friends? <laughs> oh my God, dude. Uh, I do a podcast with this Jew. <laughs> <laughs> He's a piece of shit, right? Um, so that's the, let me go to my notes though. The notes are, okay, so then I'm going to keep doing this. So we did Big Balls Lee. We have Mason, 
Peter Alicon, Mike's story, or Tommy the Fox? My gut says Tommy the Fox, but I'm going to go with Mason. Mason. Okay, this is a fucking wild coincidence shit, all right? So I was at that crazy rehab, Alina Lodge, where Nick Reiner was at, who still hasn't texted, and just super locked down place. Uh, ran out of Alina Lodge, had this huge sentence, made my way back to California, had a warrant for my arrest. A few months after I ran out, got picked up, went to jail, right? I'm waiting to go to court for violating the conditions of my probation or my sentence and my probation. Um, and I, uh, and when you go to court, they wake you up at like 3.30 in the morning. You wait in a cell and then the bus comes and picks you up, right? Mm-hmm. And so the bus comes and picks me up. I mean, and bus comes to pick us up and they handcuff you next to somebody and you either get handcuffed to one person or to three people. I ended up getting handcuffed to one person. Um, and a lot of times you never know who you're going to get handcuffed. So I get handcuffed to this guy. He seems pretty normal. Um, and, uh, you know, we don't really talk to each other. We're sitting on the bus and everyone's like tired. And so I start talking to him and I'm like, Hey dude, what's up? Like, and he's like, where are you from? And I was like, uh, like I'm from, uh, Massachusetts. And he's like, oh, he's like, I'm from New Jersey. And he's like, he's like, how'd you end up out here to me? And I'm like, I, uh, Nick Reiner just texted. Should we see what he said? Yeah. He said, who is this? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he responded to my last text, too. Uh, (laughs) Ask him if he wants to call in. Ask him if he has any jail stories. Should I ask him to call in? Yeah. Um, We are recording... Oh, so how how long did that take? It's about ten minutes. Yeah. Um, it's Chris uh, from Dopey. We are recording, and we wanted to see how long it would take you to respond. Okay, we're, we're right. handcuffed to right. Mason yeah, so from to New Mason. Jersey. Yeah, hang up to this guy Mason, and uh, he said he's from Jersey, and he's like, "Where?" I said, "From Mass," and then uh, he's like, "Why are you here?" And I was like, "Ah, like I, I ran out of this like hardcore rehab in New Jersey." I was like, "It's pretty, it's, you know, it's small world, you know, we're in Southern California." He's like, "What rehab?" And I was like, "Alina Lodge," and he's like, "You ran out of the lodge?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like. He's like, I'm in jail. He's like, I went to Alina Lodge. And after you get out, Alina Lodge is a year. When I was there, it was a year to like 16 months. And when you're done with Alina Lodge, they send you to a normal 30-day rehab. That's that's your step down before you go to the step down. Right. So your step down is normal rehab after that. So there's a was a place, which I've mentioned on here, called Cornerstone. And they sent him there to Cornerstone, which was near – which was in Orange County. So he went to Cornerstone and then he relapsed after Cornerstone and ended up in jail. And so they handcuffed me to a guy that was from the same rehab that I that was in jail basically after relapsing after leaving the rehab that I just left like a year before me, which I just thought was like, the craziest. I mean, most likely you're going to get handcuffed to like a Mexican dude. Um, there's you know 5,500 people in the jail, and I happened to get handcuffed to the one guy, and he had the same counselor as me. This guy T. Pretty wild, right? That's the Mason story? That's the Mason story. I thought it was so shocking. And then actually I have another one, the Peter Alcon story, right? Mm-hmm. Peter, I was in this, that, that rehab I always talk about, Impact, and there was this guy named Peter Alcon who was Native American. Actually, Who'd I Who'd he roll with? I don't know. I didn't live with him, okay? So, I bet I bet with the Southsiders or the, or the whatchamacallit, the Cheesemakers. He could have rolled with this. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't roll with the cheesemakers, the Faisanos. Uh, he could have rolled with the Southsiders. I wonder what they would have called them. Um, anyway, so... Probably Holmes or Vato. Dude, but my Peter Alcon, I literally, all I have to talk about Peter is a eight-second interaction I had with him, okay? Mm-hmm. I was in rehab with Peter um, uh, years before I saw him in jail. And I was in Central at this point. And in Central... They're super fucking, they're all, everywhere you walk, they're shut the fuck up, look at the ground, you know what I mean? Like, anytime you're in movement around the thing, it's very cramped style, it's like an old, gross jail, um, and it's super quiet, and the guards are, like, wicked abusive, but there's these really, really long escalators that they span several floors, right? And so there'll be one going up and one going down, and they load you on those giant escalators, right? And, um... And that's like the one place you can kind of talk to each other because they watch you get on and then they watch you get off. But there's several stories in between. Right. So it goes it's a long ride. Yeah, it's a long ride. And then there's one going up and one going down. And so I'm going down this escalator and someone's coming up. And I notice from like 20 feet away, it's Peter Alicon, who's this like 60-year-old Native American that I was in rehab with two years ago. I used to talk to him in rehab all the time. We'd have these super heated conversations because – he was this hardcore Christian who literally thought if you didn't believe in Jesus, you're you go down. And I would get pissed at him and I'd be like, so what if you're an aborigine and you've like never even heard of Jesus? And he's like, you're going to hell. And I just like – and he was a smart guy. I was like, well, how can you believe that? Like you're an idiot, you know? But he was very, very um, – Articulate. He was articulate and he was actually a very nice guy and spiritual and that's what bothered me even more, you know, that he would think right. something like that. So um, – I remember him well from those conversations because we'd have him late night in rehab smoking cigarettes. You know what I mean? And we're like the only two idiots that would want to talk about that shit. Everybody else is just, you know, Flacco and Rogaine and batteries. Right. So, um. Rogaine? Rogaine and batteries. What's the Rogaine? Yes. Rogaine's the best stuff to steal. Who do you a sell it to? A little box of Rogaine? To a fence. A little box of Rogaine's like 60 bucks, dude. Um. Have you ever stolen Rogaine and sold it? I've stolen Rogaine. <laughs> I'm so lazy. I've stolen <laughs> Rogaine and sold it to people who would sell it to fences. Okay. So the, like mi- so the middleman on the road. Yeah, the I'd get like a quarter of what it's worth and they get half. Um, so he, uh, so anyways, I see Peter Alcon and I hadn't seen him in years. And I, he's a bank robber. He'd done some serious, serious time. And this is maybe a really dumb story, but it, it fucking stood out to me. So I see him. I'm like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? And it's like shocking. You know, and like there's just to me, these were signs from like God, from my higher power, from something, me getting handcuffed to Mason, you know, like from the same rehab, me seeing Peter Alcon. These were signs. These are the same sentence. These are signs from like something that's like change your fucking life because like it's not good, you know. So I see Peter. 20 feet away and I'm like I like put my hands up like this like you know like touchdown and I'm like but Peter and he sees me he takes a second and he registers who it is right and this is all he says to me he looks at me in the eyes and we're passing different ways and he goes I'm never getting out and that was the last thing I ever heard sad right I thought he was going to say you're going to hell (laughs) (laughs) you're going to hell but I believe in Jesus so I'm saved right you don't really believe in Jesus though (laughs) That's sad though, right? I'm never getting out. It's very sad. Yeah. It's very, very sad. I think about it a lot. And he was a fucking, I mean, yeah, wacky religious stuff, but he was like a good man. Like, he was like a good dude. I mean, the the thing about the jail. I don't even know what he did. He probably robbed another bank and it's just done, you know? The jail episode, you know, it really resonated with a lot of people. And I think it's because it's such a unique, life changing experience. Uh, 
we're, it's just such a, it's such a, it's, you know, drug addiction is one thing because you're living wherever you're living and you're getting what you're getting and you're getting high when you can get high. But when you go to jail, you're being put into a spot and you have to endure it with all these people and you lose your freedom and you have to like somehow mesh with this other society. And like, and I think about you, you know, this kid uh, from fucking Boston, rich parents, houses up the yin yang, fucking prep school kid, super smart, super high scores. And you have to figure out what you have in common with the the prison population and how you're going to fit in. And it's like, what a crazy thing. Yeah. You know, like for you, you know, to, to like figure out how, how you're going to fit in. And, and like when you tormented that poor old man who's Ste- leaving him garbage and him thinking it's food or Steve Kotke <laughs> or like or like punching an Asian kid in the ear because you have to or, or the thing where you roll the guy out you yeah. know it's just you a it, lot of that stuff could have been avoided though that was me playing some role that I thought I should play but it's 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 kind of part and parcel to Dopey itself yeah. it's like we got into situations and we wanted to see how far they could go yeah. or what they could be and, and and like it's just very very interesting and crazy yeah so what's my next story um, well we're continuing this whole rehab slant so there's a third person this was a different sentence this is actually my last sentence I saw this guy uh, this is Tommy the Fox. He was from um, Santanita or Lopers or fucking F Troop. It was one of those gangs, one of those larger gangs in, in Orange County. And uh, F Troop? Yeah. And uh, so he, I was in rehab with him and his gang. He was like an OG. A, a, like people say OG, like he was what they actually call like an OG. Like an OG is like, su- like super high status, right? And, uh, so he, um, I was in rehab, rehab was like 25 grand a month. His, his gang, what are you looking at? Well, you didn't hear that? Yeah. It was just, it's really windy out. Right. <laughs> um, his gang, uh, paid for him in cash to go to this rehab. Right. And this guy was fucking old school. Right. He, uh, he's probably like 50 years old, 55. Um, Mexican guy. Mexican dude. His, he would smoke Virginia Slims. Like, that's how gangster he was. Yeah. Like, he could, he'd cross his legs all, like, effeminate, and he'd, he'd, you know, hold it almost like he was gay with a limp wrist, and he'd smoke Virginia Slims because he could. Do you know what I mean? It was almost, like, made Part him of his image. more hard. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm uh-huh. saying? And, uh, and I remember his roommate, and, and it's all a bunch of, like, upper middle class, like, you know, white guys, like similar upbringing as me there. I remember his one roommate, I don't remember what the kid's name was. And one time we we're all sitting out late night smoking and he turns and I'd already done some time and he turns to Tommy and he's like, and, and Tommy, you know, maybe he was 55. He'd done like 20 years in prison, right? He, definitely. And he, uh, I, 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 I literally just got nervous even saying this like on the podcast. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, maybe he didn't. Remember. I don't fucking know. But anyways, the guy turns to him and he's like, uh, "He's like Tommy. He's like, have you ever murdered anyone?" 
And I, I just started like laughing. You laughed? Oh yeah, because it's like I, he was pretty cool. He was kicking it with the homies, like and rehab style. He wasn't like this hard. He he was he was he was able to, like he was such a cool dude. Like he could blend in with us, and you know what I mean. And like on our and he was more he more went to our level than like us. He he made us feel comfortable and went to our level instead of us feeling nervous around him. Do you know what I mean? That's what a cool guy he was. Um, so anyway, so Tommy's there, right? And uh, he. Uh, Oh, God, there's so much to this story, but I'm just going to tell you what I meant to write down. So anyways, I'm going to my final thing to court, and it's for sentencing. I already know what I'm What did he say when the guy said, did you murder somebody? He's like, come on, man. You can't be asking me questions like that. What kind of stupid like question is that? Yeah, that's know, the kind of done, shit I would ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyways, uh, so this is years later. I'm, I'm going in. I have already know the deal, but I have to go this final time to court to get my sentence. And uh, I'm in this tank, and in court, it gets so fucking like – They'll put, like, in the belly of the courthouse, they'll pack, like, fucking 60, 70 people in a cell that's designed for 15. So right. Just, you know, there's wall to pe- wall, to wall people. There's, there's seats, but every, people immediately sit down, and there's all people standing. So Tommy was an orange bander. Now, they don't – they mix white – What band- is orange bander? Okay, so like white banders, exactly? like, 80% of the people's white banders, general mm-hmm. population. Then there's yellow banders, which will be, like, people who have done a lot of prison time, have violent charges, which is probably, like, another 15%. The last 5% is orange banders, red banders, and blue banders. Red banders and blue banders you just never see. A red bander is going to murder one. They're going to go away forever. Uh, a blue bander – Some cop thing, right? Yeah. A, a blue bander is a protective custody. You don't see them. An orange bander is very high-powered gangsters and they're separated too. All right. So Tommy is an orange banner. Orange banners get shackled everywhere they go. Anytime they move, they're in cells by themselves and you don't see them. Right. You know, they're off to do things. Sometimes you see them walk by, you know what I mean? As like when you're at the courthouse, like, and you're all jammed in that cell with the, they'll have some uh, yellow banners sometimes in the courthouse with you. So it'll be white banners and yellow banners and you'll see an orange banner come shackled by it. He goes and gets his own cell down the hall, even if it's like designed for eight people. Yeah, he's in there by himself because whatever he says happens. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if he says, go do something to somebody, they fucking do it, right? So they keep them separate so they can't tell people what to do. So fucking I'm sitting in this tank, right? And they pop the door and I, and I notice there's some weird thing and people, all people are looking. They're putting an orange bander in this fucking 70-man crowded cell Packed with and everybody's like, holy shit! Like, there's an orange banner like coming in with us. Like, what the fuck's going on? I look over. It's Tommy the Fox from Rehab for Tears, and everybody's already like giving him attention, right? And he comes in, and I'm like, Tommy, I'm like Tommy the Fox. I'm like, what's going on? He he's like, he looks at me, he's like, Chris, <laughs> and everybody's like, who the fuck is this wood talking to him? So I come over to him. And he looks at the seat where it's every you can't you know standing. He looks at the seat and he like makes a thing with his eyes. And people get out of his way for me and him to sit down next to him. So I sit down. I sit down next to him and he's talking to me. And he looks to somebody else. Somebody, another Mexican guy comes over, starts combing his hair for him. <laughs> I'm talking to him, and so we start shooting the shit. And I'm like, "What happened, dude? I had met his girlfriend and stuff. His uh, older white lady." And he's like, oh, I got caught with, like, a little bit of tar. And I'm like, well, what are you getting? And he's like, 
He's like, they're going to come at me with 10. Like, I'm open for five. And in my head, like, I'm thinking months. He's talking fucking years for like 30 bucks worth of heroin, you know. And he he should get struck out. And then they're striking the strike in the interest of justice because it's so crowded. But he has how 30 bucks of heroin. He's probably going to do 10 years, right? And he's just talking about it so nonchalantly, you know what I mean? Like, like years are just like, I hope for this. Dude, like, on the outside, <laughs> nobody's going to comb his hair on the bench. Yeah. You know? Well, he doesn't get to see people. I mean, when he goes to prison, he'll get to see people. But in jail, while he's awaiting sentences, he's going to get to see other people. So I forgot about this part. I wasn't even in the notes. So he's like, you know, Chris, he's like, can you do me a favor? He's like, I need you to get a, 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 a wheeler or a message to this person, right? Uh, it was a girlfriend, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'll have um, my ex do it. And so he gives me a <laughs> he gives me a handwritten note to bring in. And when you come back into the jail, they strip you buck naked, 100% naked. Like, hold your balls up, let your balls drop, and hold your dick. Let your dick drop. Turn around, squat, cough. Like, fucking full. Not even like not like you're going into rehab and they're doing like they really search you, right? And so. Um, you can get little pieces of notes and hide it in your shoe and stuff like that. So he gave me a little note and I was supposed to hide it in my shoe and like tell my girlfriend to do something. Mm -hmm. And so like I saw him, uh, and he gave me the note and then like I went upstairs and then he was gone or something and I just flushed the note down the toilet. I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to do anything. Right. Well, later on in the day, I ended up in the same cell with Tommy the Fox again. And he's like, oh, he's like, I need you to add something to that note. And I'm like. I like pretend to, I'm like, I think I lost it. <laughs> he was like, he luckily he was pretty cool. I think he was like, he was like, that's not good, man. He was like, that's not good. But he well, how could it. you flush his note down the toilet? Well, I was like, I don't want to get involved in this shit, dude. Now, let me ask you this. It seems like you learned so much stuff yeah. in there. Yeah. How did you learn it? And how long did it take you to learn? You want to know something before I answer that? I'm actually nervous saying all this shit about this guy. Are you friends with him on Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> His real name is Tommy Foxman? Yeah. Are you He's friends with him guy. on Facebook? He's not on Facebook. <laughs> well, the prisoners aren't allowed to have Facebook accounts? Uh, actually, some people had, back when I was there, they had MySpace accounts that I'm people sure. would run for them outside to get letters and shit. Do you know what I mean? Well, how long did it take you to be educated to know all this stuff? In the beginning, I didn't get it. No, but like like orange quickly. bander, white bander. Oh, that, yeah, got, I picked all that up quickly. Really what happened was the first time, when I went in the first time, they made me, I told that story, they made me the uh, yellow bander um, because of my charges more than anything, and they thought it was going to be really hard for me. Um, and then I ended up in a cell with this guy, Mike, who I'm friends with his wife on Facebook, and I've written articles about. Um, and I don't know if it's t I should tell his story on here because it's the most crazy story. Mike was just... Covered in tattoos, really tough guy, sweetest, nicest person ever, and he just like coached me on stuff. And uh, did I, have I told you this guy's story? I don't know. This story is crazy. So he was, um, God, he ended up getting thirty-two months for whatever, a little bit of tar heroin, and he had done so much time. He had done fourteen years um, when he was eighteen in Arizona, and he actually had his paperwork. He used to do lift work out with his paperwork because the one thing like they can't take from you is your paperwork so you can actually amass tons of files like, yes and that's a way to like do curls so people will literally use their court paperwork to work out with did you ever do that no um he did it a little bit and then he got pretty lazy and we just sat and ate pop tarts and shit all together uh anyway so he, he told me a lot of stuff but um 
my my lawyer came to visit me once, and he's like, "Why don't you like?" He's like, "What's your celly like?" Well, he's really cool, actually. Like, he's a scary looking guy, but he's he's not. He's like a gentle giant. Really, you know, he, he was like thirty eight when I met him, and he was um, he just was done with that life, you know. But he was a heroin addict, and he had all these charges. So he anything that happened, he got broke off with a bunch of time. So I go in and I listen to my attorney. I'm like, I asked Mike about his life, and he tells me that um, his dad when he when he was when his mom was pregnant with him, when he was in his mom's womb, his dad got caught cheating on his mom. His mom found out, got pissed, took his brother and his sister and sped away in the car. As she was speeding away, the car flipped. His brother and sister died. His mother ended up a vegetable. They the- left, they, she left him with the father? No, no, no. She, she oh, was, he was in her womb. Wow. So she speeds away. He's in her womb. And his brother and sister in the back seat or whatever. The car flips. Brother and sister die. Mother turns into a vegetable, brain dead, and on machines. And he's born without complications. Like he survives, right? And then um, his dad, from the guilt and shame of it, is just a total fucking wreck. A shell of a man is the way he described it for the rest of his life. Uh, so he tells me the story and I'm like – that my point, my attorney was like, just he was trying to like show me how good I got it, you know. Uh, and then so Mike was just basically sharing like how fucked up he was, and he cared so little. He he had this in his pa- uh, court paperwork. His first thing was he was the video store bandit in Arizona. That was his nickname in the papers, and he robbed like forty video stores back when they had tons of cash. It was a good thing to, to rob, and like this is probably the eighties, right? You know, there's always tons of cash in them. So he got caught, uh, and uh, he gets sentenced. And this is in his court paperwork from the little court reporter or whatever. And the judge says, uh, 14 years, right? And you know what it said? Defendant laughs. He just started laughing. Like, he didn't, like, he's like, I just, like, he didn't care about, like, anything, you know? Like, the guy had 14 years, he said he he literally was just like, like, whatever. (laughs) Um, And so... But that was his first time in jail and he laughed at 14 years? He had been in a juvenile hall. He, I think he was 17. Why did 18. he laugh at it? Because he just didn't give a fuck. He was crazy. He wasn't, he wasn't even crazy. He just was like environmentally, life. you know what I mean? He wasn't like mentally ill. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but anyways, my point was he, he helped me like explain shit to me a lot and stuff uh, and would caution me not to do drugs. Mike. Is he clean? Yeah, he's clean. I've seen pictures of him. Um, he's still in jail? He, he, no, no, no. He's in Texas with his uh, girlfriend who I'm friends with on Facebook. And I wrote an article about him and uh, his girlfriend. I sent it to his girlfriend and she shared it with him and she, she said it made him really happy. Um, what does he do? Probably nothing. I don't know. Works in a needle factory? <laughs> Works in a needle factory. He, um, he used to always say... Uh, We'd be eating, like, fucking those, like, powdered eggs or whatever. The, I don't even know if they were powdered. Those shitty eggs and shitty breakfast, and he would eat it. It was the only thing he did that used to bother me. And he used to say, and don't get no better than that. And, like, he, or we'd have some Pop-Tarts, and he'd be like, don't get no better than that. And I just remember thinking, like, it fucking gets much better. <laughs> well, he flipped out. Pleasures. Dude, I remember he flipped out. We were eating breakfast once, and I think this is when he knew it got better than that. We were eating breakfast once and there's like in this – it was two-man cell, really small and there's like a metal table. Everything's like kind of like um, poured concrete and bolted into the wall and nothing's movable, you know. 
And so we're sitting at a really small little table and we're eating, you know, breakfast and you eat, you eat in your salad and you go right back to bed. They deliver the food at like 5 a.m. And uh, you eat a plastic spoon, eat anything, right? And you get a little plastic spoon, you eat it. And, uh, and I'd never seen him get angry, right? This is the one time I saw him get fucking really angry. And we're eating it and uh, it was scary to watch this. And he just fucking picks up the tray and fucking smashes it against the wall and gets up and just starts just cinder block walls just starts fucking punt like just mangling his hands just punching the wall and uh <laughs> and then he went and laid on his bed with were his, you like Mike no, no. what's the matter no, then he went and laid this is what I did and then he went and laid on his bed with his back to me you know just like kind of like curled up and uh I went over <laughs> like two minutes and I went over and like tapped on the shoulder like hey you want some pop tarts <laughs> <laughs> I tried to give him some pop tarts. You like, crawled oh. into the bed and spooned <laughs> him. He said, hey, "Don't get no better than that." It was so sad to watch, man. It was just like a breaking point, you know. And like he he had done, um, he was in Vacaville or Susanville or something like that. And so he came. He was he did a bunch of time in prison because he violated his parole for getting caught with the heroin. So he had to go back and finish in prison sentence. And he got to be a firefighter, which is like the best deal you can get. You can be a fire uh, a forest firefighter in prison um, and you have a lot more freedom, right? And so he did that for I don't know, a couple of years, right? Because he finished out his parole and then right before he's supposed to get released, he scheduled his wedding with his girl, with his now his wife, but it was his girlfriend. And he scheduled his wedding. He's supposed to get out of prison and they were get married. And uh, right like a month before he's supposed to get out of prison, he gets a letter that says um, they're going to charge him so he, he violated his parole for the heroin. So he had to finish his original prison sentence. And then they decided, oh, we're going to actually charge you for that. So instead of getting released from prison, he got transferred back to jail, had a trial, and then had to go back to prison again. Hmm. That fucked. Well, the, the most fucked thing, anybody who's not like using drugs and stuff, they're like, well, it serves him right for buying heroin when he's on parole. But then you think about us or all the people that listen that are, are buying drugs every day don't get caught, don't have to do anything. It's like imagine if I had ever gotten picked up any of the days, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, Well, that's what these people that I'm talking about, what happens to them? This is what I saw as the most common. This was Mike's case and it was sad is that – and Mike even – you know, fucking Mike got four years. So he did the video store bandit thing, right? And then he got four years after that. He said he got released, was out of prison for a few months, and he was sitting in a Target. And these, uh, he was just eating there. He had no money. He was shooting Coke. And uh, he was, you know, strung out too probably. And he said he was sitting there eating, and he noticed that every time they turned the light on, um, somebody would come by from like the, the internal bank in the Target, and they'd fill up a bag with cash, and they'd bring it back over to the bank. And he said, well, this light went off. And nobody came and somebody in the register filled this bag up with cash and they brought it over and they put it on the internal bank counter and they went back and nobody picked it up. So he said, there's just a bag of cash sitting there, right? And uh, he went and he grabbed the bag of cash and left and all he had was a bicycle and somebody saw him grab it and they followed him in a car and his getaway vehicle was a bicycle and the cops came and picked him up and he got four years. And it was just like... So sad. But my point was uh, the, the worst stories you heard were it wasn't – it was like people who had a violent charge who did something like use a, use a gun and robbed stores when he was younger and they get a strike and they get something and then any little thing they do after that, they're fucked. So California had a three-strike law so people would do a violent crime and often that was 
you know, related to drugs. It might not even be a drug charge when they were 18, 20, 25, and then they'd be 50 and they'd just be like a Takata, a junkie, and they'd be getting small possession, yeah, small possession charges and they would fucking get broke off, you know, five, 10 years for nothing. And, and they had changed their criminality. You and know that's I mean? their life. That's, that's their only life. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's the, the most crazy piece. It's like, it's your life. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, you don't get to go out and get a side D. You don't get to, like, fucking have a life, have a family. You know? Yeah. You, you're there. You know? If you're listening to Dopey and you're... Is it possible to listen to Dopey in jail? No. I know some jails they had like HBO and shit. Not jails, prisons at HBO. Um, so chances are nobody's listening to Dopey in jail. I don't think they have internet access. I think there's some jobs I think where there's like call centers. There's all sorts of shit. Some prisons in California. If California has uh, conjugal visits still. If you're serving two to twenty four years, you can get. Uh, if you're married, your wife can come every like three to six months, and you stay in a little trailer with her. Romance. Yeah. Um, read an email. Oh, I got to find one then, dude. I got to find a decent one. Read the prison email. Oh, yeah. Should I read that one? Oh, yeah. yeah the guy talked about prison and yeah. stuff. I'll type in Orange County. Okay, this is... Uh, are you ready? Yeah. Uh, this one's okay. Did we read this one? This guy says, My own OC jail experience. Hi, Chris and Dave. I love the jailhouse stories that Chris shared. I've been to jail one time, getting arrested with my best bud and also my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and it was the same Orange County jail. I got even more excited when you mentioned Bam Bam. It was such a terrible time for me. I honestly had a mindset that I was going to be like my bunkie, a frequent stayer at CJX, only to get out and finally have less of a tolerance to meth. CJX's Central Jail Complex. That's the one with the big, long escalators. I was only 18 or 19 when I got arrested, and my bunkie, who could be Edward Norton's twin, made it seem like I was going to be doing at least a couple years in the 80-man tank I was assigned. We talked about how we were the good tweakers, and it was the bad tweakers that made the good tweakers look bad. I was later moved to a four-man cell, and two of my cellmates smoked hash out of an electrical outlet and attempted to shave one of their heads. This ended up with a lot of bleeding shaver cuts, and on his head, they were so giggly that we couldn't help but join in with laughing at his expense. My celly asked me to contact someone for him when I got released in exchange for a teener of shit. Shit is meth. I agreed and honestly planned to, but the moment I walked out of that crummy jail and into downtown Santa Ana, Santana, all I could think of was how bad I wanted to somehow get back at the justice system that took all my drugs and money when I got arrested. And of course, I decided to delve deeper into meth, because that would really show them sarcasm. Things got way worse for about three years after that. I started shooting it and buying it in bulk. I honestly don't know how I came out at the other end without having permanent brain damage or other mental issues, but now I'm a contributing member of society and have a good, legit job. I guess after throwing my life away as well as I could, I was one of the lucky people that get to call it an experience. Anyways, that's my CJX experience. I did meet Bam Bam while I was there. He wanted to mess up a guy named Trouble Cherry that I know. I knew. Lol. As far as the podcast, I love it, guys. Keep it up. I listened to all the episodes before you guys took them off. I was the second person to email you if you guys don't remember. Have we read this already? No. Um, And I've only been disappointed with a couple. I get an unhealthy excitement when you mention me on the show. LOL. I'm always looking forward to the next episode. Troy, too. 
Troy. Troy. And then I actually remember I, I, I should have read there's another one that's really good. Remember I talked about the button in the first episode? Yeah. This guy talks about the button. There's another guy. Um, he talked about it. My friend Andrew so wrote so many emails. We've never read any of them. Uh, this is a guy from... Uh, should I read this one real quick? Sure. He said, hey, this is from uh, Michael. Hey, what's good? Been listening to your podcast, liking the jail stuff. That shit about staff infections in jail. Real shit. Ha ha. I like Chris more. Dude's more my speed. Oh, this is the anti-Semite <laughs> from fucking New Zealand. <laughs> Haven't had the time yet to listen to, uh, to enough to get a good grip on what you guys use. I'm 25, on, done, but I still use... Shit here works way different. Things are pretty different. In my scene, we all cook our own heroin. Not like warm in a spoon, but cook it with acetic anhydride. Pretty much every dose I've ever done, I've made myself. Anyone I haven't... Anyone I haven't, I've known the cook. Okay. Few Americans I've talked to about this find this weird. Prison sounds real different there. We mix racially here, but shit about the big-time dudes keeping the peace and being allowed a bit of carpe launch in return, if carpe launch can be a partial. That shit about the button had me dying, though. We had a mental dude who kept whipping his cock out and talking with it like Danny with his finger in The Shining. I found it funny you trying to explain that prison mentality. Best way I find to explain it is it's boarding school. I agree with this. My dad's stories of boarding school are pretty much the same. The no sharing with black stuff reminded me here you don't get given anything like at all. That we have him a sandwich shit was weird to me. That we gave him a sandwich shit was weird to me. Here, if someone shared anything with you, you got to be suspect because it'll be like, oh, that sandwich was a $100 sandwich. How you paying? Not many Jewish people here. Literally known two throughout my life, and they knew each other. Haha. Ha. Either of you guys used forums. I loved Opiophile. I was a mod on there at the end. Big surprise, though. The junkie admin shot up all the website money. Hurry up with Jail Stories Part 2. Part 1 was wicked. Michael. Why do you think he's anti-Semite? I don't think they have anti-Semites out there. He just doesn't know any Jewish people. Here we go. It's what, <laughs> what is that anti-Semitic comment that I just made? Here we go. This is where your Nazi jail background comes comes to fruition. What are you talking about? <clears throat> listen, listen, Michael, New Zealand Michael, anti-Jewish. And I didn't do the opiophile. We're supposed to get into that. We'll do it in another episode. Mm-hmm. I'm too tired right now to get into that. Yeah. We have a good opiophile website story for you guys. Come on. I don't know any Jews, ha-ha, and the only idiot Jews I knew knew each other, ha-ha-ha, fucking Jews. <laughs> you sound like a typical Jew that's always yeah. thinking everything's anti-Semitic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you literally did at first, though, when you heard it, didn't you? I, I don't, listen, number one. You know, I was so sur- I'm sorry, go ahead. What? I was so shocked in my class the other day. They were talking about hate crimes, and this this um, institution looked into the first three months after Trump took presidency and investigated the number of hate crimes that happened and, and whatnot, and they rated them. And um, I thought – so blacks and Hispanics – no, it was, I thought Muslims and Hispanics would be the highest. You know what was the highest? Tell me. Jews. I fucking... Who fucking, like... 
You see, this why is, is that thing. even a fit? Like, I don't even. I'm going to say this. I just don't get it. It doesn't. No, 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 never mind. I, I, please explain to me why there's hate crimes against Jews. It's like I, I, I get it about Muslims and um, Hispanics because Trump has put this rhetoric about that, that makes sense to me. Not, I'm not saying it's. Of course, it's not right. I'm saying it makes sense to me. I just don't get why there's I, hate crimes listen, against Jews. I, I am a Jew from New York City. And like I always say, if you throw a rock in New York City, you're going to hit a Jewish person. Yeah. So like I didn't experience uh, any anti-Semitism in my life until Michael sent that email. But um, <laughs> He's joking, Michael. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yes and no. However, um, as I grew up, you know, my parents, uh, my parents' parents uh, fled the Holocaust. You know what I'm saying? It's like. Historically, Jews were hated it's because been fucked over for thousands of years. Well, for for thousands and thousands of years, but they were hated in Europe because they were the, they were the only people that were allowed to lend money. They were the only people who could handle money because Christians wouldn't do it because it didn't seem like they were godly. So Jews became those guys with money. But that, that that's a clear, um, a clear thing back then. Like right. now, it's like like it's other just Hasid's. Like, how do you even like, know a Jew? We're talking about. Uh, ignorant hatred. You know, we're talking about hating something that we don't know. We're talking about believing that Jews run the world because people say it. Well, they do. So, do they? <laughs> I mean, like, you're you're propagating anti-Semitism. By saying that? Yeah. I mean, it's like you... And by saying... By laughing about it and then and then reading that article, at the, you know, simultaneously to say Jews run the world, I don't know how people can hate Jews, and I don't know how... Um, how they could be the number one group that's prejudiced again. That whole conversation, and I don't want to be a no, fucking... No, keep going. I like this. It creates a circle of anti-Semitism. By it, me even drawing attention to it? No, by say, by laughing at it. By ruling the world? And then making well, that... Well, I always think that's a compliment. But it isn't to people who hate Jews and who are disenfranchised and who want to keep some anti-fucking uh, Semitic stereotype going. You know, it, it's like... We're in an age, a scary age, you know, it's like, and for Jewish people, it's like, great, you know, Jews run the world, great, yeah. New York City is full of Jews. Uh, in 19-fucking-44, they exterminated a huge population of Jews. The biggest Jewish population in the world is in New York City, it's not even in Israel. It's like, do you, do you, know, what, do you, do you know what the percentage of Jewish people in America is? It's like nothing, and then New York's like 20% or something. In America, it's like 2%. And New York's like 24 or something, right? My point is, there aren't that many of us to, to stand up to it. And sure, like, there's a lot of wealthy Jews, there's a lot of famous Jews, there's a lot of noteworthy Jews. At any moment, the whole thing can flip. And I'm not saying, like, I'm scared of the whole thing flipping. I'm saying, like, the world is a scary place, and it would be better if we pushed for... Uh, Love no, I agree. I, I just was shocked in class to hear that because <clears throat> I was like, I, I get, you know, people being scared, like Trump hating against, like, you know, the, trying to build the wall and then terrorist stuff, you know, and I just, I didn't, I just don't get to do, I guess I get a little better from you explaining it. I just don't get it. It's, it's, it's like, it doesn't matter. Do you understand me not getting it? Do you get that? Well, why I would think that the other racial groups would be profiled more because you can see who they are 
and because fundamentally radical Jews aren't blowing anything up, you know what I mean? You'd think that it, Muslims would be targeted for hate crimes more yeah. than Jews. But, like, it just goes to show, like, all that means anything is, like, safety and love and, 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 and like, not being fucking attacked yeah. and having horrible things happen to you and echoes of a, of a massacre. Yeah. You know, it's way more serious than, like, a joke. No, you know, it's funny because we, we talk about, um, oh, God, what is it called? There's uh, generational trauma. It's pretty interesting, actually, stuff where it's like traumas. I mean, we were talking more about like African-American community and slavery. That's actually like passed down. Right. It's real. It's Do you know what I mean? It's, it, it doesn't, it, even though there's no direct connection. You can't pay, place it, but somehow it, it, it but pops it has, up in the genes. Yeah. It's or weird. in something. Who yeah. knows? And like I'm not sitting here – like I have not experienced – much anti-Semitism in my life and I'm incredibly Jewy, you know. Um, although one time in college, somebody glued hooves to my door and I don't know what, what the hell that, that meant. I don't know. <laughs> it was scary and the hooves looked like horns and like I was sure it was an anti-Semitic attack. And my whole childhood, my mother uh, talked about anti-Semitism and feared it. But that makes sense because her grandparents were fucking killed. You know, our, our whole family had to flee a fucking insane person killing our family, murdering us. So your great-grandparents fled no, Germany? Or? I don't know. No. no. I, and I'm so uninformed of my actual <laughs> history. But well, like, you sound – I've never heard you talk like this. So you sound uh, – My ancestors, uh, my father's side got here. A long time ago. My mother's side, I, somebody must have died over there. I, I, <laughs> Dad, I'm sorry. I don't really know what the hell happened. But I'm sure some, some, some person was uh, eliminated back in the day. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, obviously, scores of Jews. And, and then, and then you, you can even tell the story more. And I don't want to waste the dopey nation's time with this. But like when Hitler has all of his Jews and he's like, we don't want these people. America, do you want them? And he sends fucking a, a huge ship full of Jews. And I think, I don't know, maybe it was Truman. I don't know who the president was. And he said no. And they sent the Jews away. And the Jews wound up in Argentina, in Brazil. Dominican mm. Republic took Jews to lighten the population because they didn't want such dark people. But America turned away the Jews. And it wasn't until... Uh, Hawaii, or Pearl Harbor, and a couple other things that brought and England that brought us into the war. But we were rejecting Jews, and, and I'm just saying, like at this point, Seinfeld, whatever, Jews <laughs> seem like pretty much on top of the world. But it was a minute ago in the history of America that this happened. Yeah, you know, it's pretty wild. And, and Dopey Nation, I apologize, and I expect a lot of anti-Semitic emails <laughs> to come off of the pike. Do you expect anti-Semitic emails? No. Do you? I do. <laughs> I do. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, especially the Jews in the Dopey Nation. All right. And uh, to, uh, is there any Jews? In the, uh, Alex? Jonathan. Alex. Jonathan. Alex. John's a Jew? Yeah, Shlomo. Hey, Jonathan who? Oh, John, John, your, your, John, your friend? No. Oh. <clears throat> there's Shlomo, there's um, Moishi, there's <laughs> Rachel, there's Isaac, Abraham. Uh, you don't know those guys in the Dopey Nation? I don't know those guys. Zebulon, Benjamin. 
You don't know these guys? It's actually really funny. The management company. Joseph. The, the management com- the company for the apartment I rented in Williamsburg. What does that sound? It's, it's fucking wind. scary. It's They're like, coming for Jews in the house right now. sleeping here, dude, and hearing that. Oh, I don't like that. a face over there. Um, anyways, the management company. Imagine if there was a face over there. The, 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 what would you do? Do you have a bat? Do you have a gun? There's a lock. We'll hit him with a guitar. No, not my guitar. <laughs> Um, the, uh, management company for the apartment I rented in Williamsburg, the voicemail, I started laughing so hard. I, I went to cut to voicemail and it says everybody's things, you know, like everybody's names. And it's like, it was like for Moishi, push one for Yoishi, push two for Boishi, push three. It literally, every single name was the same fucking thing. Just with a different letter at the beginning. What was this? I almost want to play it, but I don't know. Some Jewy real estate company. It was a Hasidic, uh, they were Hasids. Well, listen, Jews, non-Jews, Muslims, fucking the, the dude in South Africa that listens, the fucking dudes in Australia, stay strong. Stay Power strong. to the people. Yeah, stay strong. Dopey Nation knows. Do you knows- think we have any transgenders? That'd be great. If you're transgender, shoot us a fucking email. Or write a review. Or write a review. Yeah. Just not, don't make it anti-Semitic, please. Yeah. Um, be uh, well. All right. Be to, well. To, 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 you don't to, need to, to say toodles every time. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desire's all I ever had. And I want to take a ride up in the sky. Airplane just passed me by, and I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I want to be good so bad, want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had, and my shadows get. Suckers make me mad and I want to call my dad and it's all I ever had.